Hey, good morning. Hey, I'm so honored uh, to get to be here with you guys. Uh, like like Brian was saying, uh, you know, we got to see uh, New City be sent out from our church uh, two years ago, and we, we planted Mercy Hill 10 years ago. And uh, we're just so proud of the work you guys have done and just to see this multiplication movement of churches being planted. It's so cool because uh, our, our churches are sort of connected to this larger uh, vision and mission to see a thousand churches planted uh, all over the world uh, in a generation. And you guys are part of that and we're part of that. And so, uh, man, it's just such an honor for me to be here uh, today with you guys. Uh, so many of you guys I know and some of you I don't. And uh, for those of you that were sent out from Mercy Hill, we are so proud of you, uh, of Pastor Eric and Kelly and just the work that you guys have done. Uh, we personally know what it's like uh, to plant a church and to move to a new city and to do a new thing. And uh, when I heard New City was going to be going to Tampa, I was so excited because like Brian said, I'm from this area. Uh, I grew up here uh, until I was an adult and went to school here and high school here. And uh, my wife and I, Allison, met here and we both uh, graduated from USF. And so we very much uh, are, are Tampa people, although we've been gone uh, for the last 15 years. So, hey, today we are going to be in Hebrews chapter 4. And, you know, when I thought about uh, what to preach on today, uh, something I've been thinking about a lot, we've been doing this uh, with our staff at Mercy Hill, uh, just thinking about the concept of rest. And I don't mean like take a nap rest, I mean like soul rest, where our souls aren't fearful or anxious or worried. And, you know, obviously the whole world has been through a crazy last 18 months. And, you know, the Bible has a promise about rest that I think all people want to be true. Whether you believe in God or not, I think all people want to have rest in their souls. And the last 18 months for so many people has been such a time of worry and fear and anxiety and what is the future gonna hold and what is gonna happen. And so I thought today it'd be really good to talk from Hebrews chapter four about what it looks like for our souls to have rest. What does that look like? What does that feel like? How does the Bible describe the rest that only Jesus can give us? And here's the thing. The Bible makes this promise that our souls, they can be at rest and yet we live in a world all around us where it feels chaotic all the time. Like how can we be at rest when all, everything around us is seemingly on fire at times? I'll give you guys an example of, you know, maybe one way to picture this. So uh, two years ago, uh, my family and I, we, we, we had the blessing of being able to go uh, on a ministry sabbatical uh, over the summer. We had served at Mercy Hill for seven years, and so we got a chance to go on a sabbatical after seven years, and so we chose just kind of what we desire and what we like. We chose to spend the majority of that time in the mountains and kind of in smaller uh, places, you know, a time of stillness and quiet and all of that, and that was kind of the majority of our trip. We spent uh, about a month out in Colorado, and then uh, we drove from Colorado back here to Tampa, and something told us, uh, this was a horrible idea, but something said uh, after that month of stillness and calmness and uh, just being in the mountains, hey, on the way back to Tampa, let's stop uh, in New Orleans for a couple of days. And, you know, I had been to New Orleans before, 
uh, when, when we were kind of younger, just married without kids, but this time we had three young kids. And so uh, it was a very different and distinct experience from being in those mountains for a month. And so we got there and within about an hour, I realized very quickly, this is gonna be a very different experience than the quiet and stillness in the mountains. And after a couple hours of being there, I'm like, how can we rest and be still when there's just utter chaos? I mean, it was the middle of the summer and there were people, I mean, just everywhere, like people on top of people. And so we thought we're going to get out of the hotel. Uh, you know, we're going to take the trolley. We're going to go to Cafe Dumont. Like we're going to do all this stuff. And I mean, it just was, we were on the trolley and there's people literally like are on top of one another. And we go to Cafe Dumont and we're walking around and there's people yelling and screaming and there's two guys getting in a fight. And I think someone's going to take one of our kids. And I mean, by the time we got done with Cafe Dumont, we're heading back to the hotel. I just, I, I just felt like, all the rest I had experienced for a month was like gone. And I'm like, this is like, I'm just like looking around and make sure no one grabs one of the kids. And then to top it off, we get to the hotel and we come to our trolley stop and we get off and I look out in the middle of the road and I said, oh, oh, this is not happening right now. And our kids didn't realize there was uh, a young lady doing a photo shoot uh, in the middle of the street with absolutely no clothes on at all. I'm talking the middle of the busiest and our kids are there and we are just like, we gotta leave first thing in the morning. Here's the thing, that's how we feel many times. The Bible says, hey, you can have rest. There is this soul rest that you can have and then we walk around our experience of the world just feels like chaos. And it's like, how, how are we able to rest? How are our souls able to rest with this chaos going on in the world? And we're going to see in Hebrews chapter four uh, that we can have rest, even if it feels like we're living in New Orleans 24-7. And here is the big idea today. Here, here's what I want to talk about. There is one true rest and there's two ways that we miss it. We're going to be looking at Hebrews 4, and actually that's going to connect back to uh, the Israelites in Numbers chapter 12 and 13, and the ways that we're able to miss uh, getting rest and having rest in our lives, it's so common uh, to humanity. So there's one true rest and two ways we miss it. Let's look at Hebrews 4, verse 1 through 3. I'll go ahead and read uh, along. I think you'll see it on the screen here. It says, therefore, since the promise of entering his rest... God's rest, the rest that Jesus provides us, that promise, it still stands. But let us be careful. And I want you to note that word there, that phrase, be careful. So he's about to give us a warning. We can, there is a rest that we can enter, but we must be careful. That none of you be, be found to have fallen short of it. For we also had the good news proclaimed to us just as they did. And when you read that, you gotta say, who's the they? Who are they talking about in Hebrews 4? We'll get to that in a second. But the message they heard was, it was of no value to them because they did not share the faith of those who obeyed. Now we who have believed enter that rest just as God has said, so I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest and yet his works have been finished since the creation of the world. So we see here in verse one, there's a promise 
that there is this rest that God and God alone has that he offers to us, that we as regular human beings are able to enter God's rest, but we have to be careful that we don't miss it. This is such an incredible truth that even though we live in a world that's chaotic and we can't control the future and things happen to us that we don't want to happen, there is a rest that God offers every single person. Rest from the fears and worries of this world. Rest from, and this is the human condition of every human, rest from striving for our salvation. Rest from trying to be good enough, trying to earn something from God. There is a rest that God provides all people from that. But there's a very easy way that we end up missing that. And that's what he's talking about here in verse 2. We got to be really, really, really careful that we don't miss the rest that God offers us. Just as they did, verse 2 says. And so what is it talking about here? It's actually talking about, uh, if you know the biblical story, the writer of Hebrews 4 is actually referring back to Numbers 13 and 14. I know you guys as a church have been going through the book of Exodus, and the book of Exodus is about God bringing his people out of slavery into the promised land, into, into physical uh, salvation, which is a greater picture for the salvation that we all can have in Christ. And the book of Numbers is basically about a specific period during that timeline where the people ended up having to stay uh, kind of in this in-between period for about 40 years because of their disobedience. And when he says, hey, be careful that you, you don't fall short of God's rest, just as they did, he's actually referring to this story in Numbers 13. So what happened in Numbers 13? So um, Moses tells the people, uh, look, I want uh, 12 of you guys that represent each of the tribes uh, of Israel. We're going to go spy on the land that God, God is going to give us. And God said, hey, I'm going to give you this land. I'm going to bring you into this salvation. I'm going to bring you into this really, really, really great land. And so um, they send 12 spies for 40 days. And the purpose is to go into the land, to spy on the land, uh, to look at the people, to look at the types of cities that they're living in, uh, to get some of the uh, basically food from the land so they actually end up getting some grapes from the land and do all of that and then bring it back and give a report to the people so that we know where God uh, is bringing us. And what we see right after this is the ways that the people end up missing God's rest, missing salvation, and it's so similar. It is the common human experience, the common human problem, and that's what we're gonna end up looking at. So they go on this mission, and 12 of them, uh, they're there for 40 days. It's the secret mission. They're seeing the land that God promised them, you know? They've been journeying from slavery, and now we're in this in-between period, and now we're going to go and get to see our salvation, see where God is bringing us. The land is everything that God said it was going to be. It's so marvelous. It's so wonderful. They bring back this huge uh, thing of grapes, but the cities are fortified. The people, if you go back and read, um, they say they're basically like the Nephilim, and they're these massive, huge people, and so they begin to get scared, 
even though God said, this is your salvation, this is where I'm bringing you, they begin to get scared and they begin to fear and their fears begin to become bigger than God and they end up making this massive mistake that makes them end up missing God's rest. So there's two ways that we can miss the salvation and rest that God can provide for us. The first one is this, it's despair. And we're gonna see this in Numbers 14. So Hebrews 4 is telling us, hey, there is this rest that God promised you, but you gotta be really, really careful. Because just like the people back in Numbers, they missed it. Despair is the first way they missed it. You see, sometimes unbelief will manifest itself in despair. Look at Numbers 14, verse 1 through 4. So they came back, they gave the report, and then some of the 12, 10 of the 12, started being very negative and pessimistic. Like, yeah, the land is great, but the cities are fortified, the people are huge, there's no way this is going to happen. And so all of a sudden, they start getting whipped up into this frenzy of despair. Look at Numbers 1 through 4, verse 14. Then all the congregation raised a loud cry, and the people wept that night. And all the people of Israel, they grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The whole congregation said to them, Would that we had died in the land of Egypt, or that we had died in the wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones, they're going to become prey. Would it not just be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to one another, let us choose a leader and go back to Egypt. What a crazy story that God has brought them out of slavery. He's promised them salvation. He has showed them what it's going to look like. And now they're not going to get to experience that rest because they're being confronted and they feel one of the most common human problems. They just feel despair. They see something in front of them that's bigger than they can do on their own, and so they feel despair. And this is something that all human beings experience. And despair oftentimes, when we're faced with some situation that's bigger than that we can handle on our own, if we don't believe, we end up being driven into despair. How is this expressed in our lives? It's expressed through fear, anxiety, Anger, helplessness, hopelessness. You think of like situational examples. You know, maybe anxiety that you can't seem to get over. Fear with something with your kids or a wayward child or an issue in marriage that just feels and seems too big. A health issue, financial issues, a sin pattern you can't beat. Addiction with yourself or somebody that you know. A diagnosis, fear of death. You see the response, albeit a natural response, but a sinful response is to have despair when we are faced with something too big for us to handle on our own. And the author of Hebrews 4 is saying, hey, be really, really, really careful. You know, it's like he's holding up this massive warning sign that God has this rest to provide, but be so careful because human beings for the last 3,000 years, when they're faced with something bigger than they can handle on their own, have a tendency to despair. And so the people do, 
They claim things about God that are just absolutely wrong. God wasn't bringing them out there to kill them. God wasn't trying to hurt them. Yes, it was scary. Yes, the people were big. Yes, the cities were fortified, but God was going to do the work on their behalf. God was going to be able to handle the situation on their behalf. And yet, through unbelief, it led them to despair. And what ends up happening? Why didn't they get to find God's rest? Because this is what happens in Numbers 14, 22. None of the men who have seen my glory and my signs that I did in Egypt and in the wilderness and yet have put me to the test these 10 times that have not obeyed my voice shall see the land that I swore to give to their fathers. And none of those who despise me shall see it. This is one of the saddest stories in the whole Bible. Basically what's happening here, because of the unbelief and despair of the people, you have an entire generation, all of the adults, pretty much, that God brought out of Egypt, brought out of slavery, he's bringing them to their salvation. Pretty much that entire generation is gonna die in that in-between period. They're not gonna be able to see God's salvation. They're not gonna be able to see God's rest because they saw this huge problem in front of them. Instead of believing, they didn't believe and they had despair and that's the consequence. You see, when we read the Bible so many times, even this story, the Bible begins to read us because our sort of tendency to go towards unbelief is just like the people here. All of us naturally, when we face something that's bigger than we can handle on our own, we have this option of, God, you can handle it. So I'm gonna trust you. I'm gonna believe you in this, even though it's hard, even though these things seem huge, or I'm gonna be led into despair. And I'm just gonna throw my hands up and say, I don't know. And that's the first way we can miss the salvation and God's rest that he can provide for our souls. We miss it through despair. But here's the thing about humanity and the people are just so crazy here because from one moment they are in despair and the next moment they literally, they literally sort of swing the opposite way over the exact same issue. And we see another uh, common human problem and another way that all of us can end up missing God's rest and God's salvation. And it's the second sort of point today, it's through self-reliance. So the people, they despair. They say, God's gonna leave us out here to die. And God says, you're never gonna enter the land now. Every single person that saw my salvation, that saw my hand at work bringing you out of Egypt, every person that saw that and then wouldn't believe what I would do with bringing you into the land, every single one of those people are gonna end up dying out there in the desert. And so what's the response? Is to literally swing the opposite way in self-reliance. And all of us have experienced this, where we face a situation and we feel despair, and then at another moment, we, we, we sort of swing to self-reliance and say, I can do it on my own. I could do it on my own. Look at what the people say here in Numbers 14, verse 39 to 45. It's just pure insanity. When Moses told these words to all the people of Israel, like, hey, you're gonna, you're gonna die out here. Like you guys didn't believe you're gonna die out here. So Moses told that to the people. The people mourned greatly and they rose early in the morning and went up to the heights of the hill country saying, here we are. We will go up to the place that the Lord has promised, for we have sinned. But Moses says, whoa, 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 why now are you transgressing the command of the Lord? 
when that will not succeed, listen to this, do not go up for the Lord is not among you. Like, don't do it. Don't do it. Yes, you could have done it because God was with you, but God's not with you now. So please, please, please do not do it lest you be struck down before your enemies. For the Amalekites and the Canaanites are facing you and you shall fall by the sword because you have turned back from the following the Lord. The Lord will not be with you. But they just presumed, they presumed to go up to the heights of the hill country, although neither the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord nor Moses departed out of the camp. Then the Amalekites and the Canaanites who lived in that hill country came down and defeated them and pursued them even to Hormah. We look at this and we're like, that's crazy. Like he was saying, like, don't do it. But they had swung so far to the other side, they said, hey, we're gonna rely on ourselves. We're gonna depend on ourselves, even if we have to like literally distort the reality that's in front of us. Like they, they, they had to have known, right? Like this is not gonna work out for them. It's funny, I recently uh, read a book. It was a biography of Steve Jobs, uh, one of the founders of Apple. And one of the things in that book that kept coming up is they said one of the things that made Steve Jobs somewhat crazy but also uh, somewhat brilliant is he had this, what people would call this reality distortion field. You know, like people would say like, hey, that's not possible. That, that, that can't happen. Like we can't, we can't invent a computer that's never existed and launch it in a year from now. And he just would like, he just would see reality differently. And people would be like, man, he just kind of distorts the way that he views reality. And uh, it just makes me think, hey, the people here just had this like massive reality distortion field. Like Moses is like, hey, don't do it. Like you're going to die. You're going to be struck down. And they're like, man, we could do it. Like we could do it. Like God, we could do it. Like, you, you know, we didn't have faith before, but now like we're going to do it. We're going to do it. And it's just like, no, don't. Like, don't try to rely on yourself. And self-reliance is, yes, the opposite of despair, but it's kind of taking things into your own hands. It's doing something different than how God would tell you to do it. Yeah, I know God said do it this way, but I'm going to do it this way. It's being self-righteous, prideful. It's deceiving ourselves about what we can handle. It's not listening to people around us. And you see those, some of those same areas I, I mentioned earlier, you know, maybe like an issue in marriage. It's so common to go from, hey, I have despair over this thing. And now it's like, hey, I'm going to swing towards, I can handle this. I can do it. I can fix it. I can make it right. We do that with everything in life. Financial issues, health issues, a sin pattern we can't beat, a diagnosis, the fear of death. You see, the answer to despair is not to become self-reliant. It's not to say, become better, get tougher, like will it out. We need to just be self-reliant. Like that is absolutely not the answer. So, so far we've seen, hey, these are the two common ways. Th these themes are throughout the Bible and every single one of us deal with this. Either being in despair over an issue that's too large for us or swinging towards self-reliance. All of us do that, but there really is, a, there really is a, a third way. There's a third way that we actually can have rest and God can provide our hearts rest. It's not despair, it's not self-reliance, and that's what Hebrews 4 is warning us about. Hey, don't miss it. 
Don't miss it like the people missed it because there still is a Sabbath rest for the people of God. And what is that Sabbath rest? It's the Sabbath rest that Jesus offers us. Look at Hebrews verse four, verse six through nine. Chapter four, six through nine. Since therefore it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news, they failed to enter because of disobedience. That's what we've been talking about. Despair, self-reliance. Again, he appoints a certain day today, saying through David so long afterward, and the words already quoted, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. This is the main point today that I want us to see. Hey, don't miss it like this. Don't miss it through despair or self-reliance. The only true rest is Sabbath rest. And what is this Sabbath rest that God has for the people of God? It's not only rest from fear and anxiety and unbelief, but even greater than that, and this is a theme throughout the whole Bible, it's a rest that our souls can have where we don't have to strive to earn God's acceptance. We don't have to strive to earn the favor of God. We don't have to be good enough. We don't have to overcome all the mistakes of our past. You see, every human being all around the world, ultimately, very deep down inside, has this self-salvation project of I have to be good enough or I have to do the right things to ultimately sort of earn God's you know, acceptance and favor, earn the acceptance and favor of the cosmos. All people are working towards this, and this is the thing ultimately that Jesus provides us. Look at what Jesus says in Matthew 11, verse 28 through 30. He says, come to me, all who are labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is the rest that God is talking about. It's God's rest. Do you think God has fears and worries and anxiety over the things that we do? God knows the future. God's powerful. God's all loving. There's a certain sort of rest that God has, and he allows us to enter into that. And it's ultimately Jesus that provides us that rest. You see, the worst situation we were facing, much worse than the situation of, hey, we have to go into the promised land, was just the reality of sin and death, the reality of our own sin, of our future death. That's the worst situation any of us have ever faced. And we couldn't do it on our own. Yes, we could despair. But being self-reliant and working towards that would never earn us what we needed to earn before God. We can't be good enough. We can't outrun our past long enough. But Jesus came and he exchanged his righteousness for our unrighteousness, his obedience for our disobedience. He took that, gave it to us as a gift if we would only have faith in him. And when our salvation is secure, when we no longer have to seek after being good enough, being righteous enough, trying to earn our way in this world and our acceptance before God, then our souls can have rest. And that's the rest that Jesus provides for us. And so I would say if you're here today and you're just not sure 
where your relationship with God is, I would just sort of ask that question. Have you found this rest that Hebrews 4 is talking about? Have you found this rest that Jesus is talking about in Matthew chapter 11? You see, when we enter God's rest, God's rest enters us. We no longer have to strive to be a good enough person for God's acceptance. And I would just encourage you guys to just think, hey, have I found this rest? Or am I, am I seeking after security through money, success, acceptance, something else? Or have you found this rest that Jesus is talking about? I think this is one of the marks of someone who believes in Jesus, that no matter what's going on in the world around them, you could just tell that these people have rest in their souls. Deep down in their souls, they have rest because Jesus has provided for them that rest. And I would say, if you're not sure, then I know anybody here, maybe somebody that brought you, maybe somebody on staff would love to talk to you about what it looks like to believe in Jesus, to follow Jesus, to repent of your sins and accept what Jesus has done for you in salvation. But the application for the Christian, I think, coming out of this passage is, are you living in this rest? Are you living in this rest? Because I think so many times it's easy to say, yeah, I know the Bible tells me that I can have rest in my soul. And yeah, I believe that. I believe that. But then when people get around us, they begin to realize, hey, what you're saying about what you believe and just the energy you're putting off is not really uh, a picture of somebody that has rest in their souls. Like there's a bit of a disconnect here between what you say you believe and just your actions and what you're putting off about rest. Like there's just a disconnect. You're saying, you're saying you believe one thing, but it seems like maybe you believe uh, another thing. I'll tell you about uh, an experience for me that was just a massive uh, disconnect between uh, saying something and believing something else. So about, uh, man, this was probably 13 or 14 years ago, uh, me and a bunch of my family were meeting up uh, in Atlanta and uh, one of our family members had planned uh, this big day. We we're gonna go to this concert and all this other stuff. And I wasn't that involved in the planning of it all. I just kind of knew what we were doing. Um, we were all going to this big Dave Matthews concert. Uh, and it was in like, you know, this huge open area, uh, downtown Atlanta. And so um, my sister had just sort of planned, planned it all. And we were just kind of there and she had planned it all. And um, so, uh, we, leave, we leave the hotel and instead of like trying to get a cab or whatever, she rented like this massive um, like Hummer limo, uh, but not like one of the newer Hummer limos, but like one of the big old like army looking like Hummer limos, you know? And uh, so, uh, man, this is like super cool. They just kind of handled all the details. The limo was going to drive us down there and drop us off at the concert, you know? And uh, we start getting closer and closer and there's all these people that are walking to the concert. And, uh, you know, we started putting two and two together. And then pretty quickly we realized, hey, the whole like theme behind this concert is like 
you know, global warming, don't drive to the concert, like we're here to support, you know, the earth and the future and all this stuff. And they literally had made a point like, hey, everybody like in the whole city is going to find their way to the, the concert, but we're not going to do it with pollution and all of this. And we like are in this literally like 35 foot long army Hummer driving to the global warming Dave Matthews concert. And I just felt like I was going to die inside. I'm like, man, people are going to begin to just shake this thing and maybe just tip this thing over. And there's going to be, because people are just so like, hey, how in the world are you coming to the support global warming concert in a 35 foot long army Hummer? Massive disconnect here, right? I think so many times for us, there's the same sort of disconnect in our lives where it's like, yeah, yeah, I got soul rest. You know, I got soul rest. But then when we talk to one another and the people that are closest to us are like, man, you, you can't even sleep at night. Like you got anxiety over going to bed. How, how, how are you saying you have rest in the deepest parts uh, of your soul? And so I think we just need to uh, challenge one another today to say, hey, do we really do we really have this soul rest? Not just something we're talking about, but do we actually have this type of soul rest that only Jesus can uh, provide for us today? So let me close with this. I think the application for all of us today is this. Let us strive to enter God's rest today. Let us strive to enter God's rest today. Look at verse 11 uh, in chapter four. Just sort of a concluding verse here. What does, he, what, what does he say after all of that? After, look, the people being in despair and then them being self-reliant, but there's still this rest that God provides for us. What does he leave us with? What does the author of Hebrews leave us with? Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. He leaves us with that massive caution sign again. Hey, let us strive to enter that rest. And unlike the people in Numbers 13 and 14, we don't want to fall by that same sort of disobedience. So we got to strive to enter the rest that Jesus offers for us. So let me just challenge you with this. If you're just willing to go, go kind of introspective on your own life and your own soul. What is that thing in your life that's keeping you from really resting and what Jesus has done for you? It's a hard question to ask. I mean, life is so busy, the world's so busy. Many times we don't actually sit and be introspective about things that are actually happening in our lives, in our own minds, and in our own hearts. So what is that thing where you need to say, Jesus, today, this is the thing. This is the thing that's keeping me from resting in you. And so I just need to hand it over to you. Is it anxiety, fear? despair over a situation, marriage, something with your kids, still struggling with something in your past. Many of us struggle with that. Still doubting God's love for you. So many people struggle with that. Striving to trust, to believe, to have faith. So what does it ultimately look like? Because you see this word strive. What does it ultimately look like to strive to enter that rest? You know, the thing with the way it's talking about striving here, it's not talking about working for your rest. 
You know, it's not talking about being good enough to get the rest from God. So what does it mean in this situation to strive? He's basically telling us strive to believe. Like it's not, it's not a work to do, but it's a truth to rest in. Think about it like this. I'll just kind of be super vulnerable uh, with you guys. I hate to fly, okay? Like hate to fly. When I fly, I, I do fly, okay? But I do not like to fly. And when I fly, I, man, I am geared in the whole time. I mean, I look around when I'm flying and I'm like, people, there's people sleeping. I'm like, we are going 500 miles an hour, six miles above the earth, and you people are sleeping. We're going 500 miles an hour in a little metal tube. This thing could just crash at any moment in time or blow up or whatever else. That's what I'm thinking the whole time I'm flying. I mean, if that plane even shakes a little bit, I'm looking at the stewardess and waiting for the announcement. Be like, man, are we going down? What's, what's happening here? I mean, that's just the way I think about it. I'm like, planes do crash, people. And you're drinking coffee and sleeping and reading a book. What is the difference between me and those people that are just like sitting there relaxed? They don't believe the plane's gonna crash. They're just kind of resting in that. And me, the whole time, I'm like, when's this thing going to go down? And that's what we have to strive to do. Strive to say, this is what God said. And you know what? I'm just going to believe that. You see the thing about this story? I'll leave you with this today. The thing about this story, there, there actually were two adults that God did allow to go into the land. And if you remember the story, it was two of the 12 spies, so Caleb and Joshua, probably the youngest of them all, that God did allow to go into the land. And why? It's because of this. Look, look what they said. Look what they said. And I want to leave you all with this. And this is the attitude. This is the spirit we've got to have about the promises that God gives us. Numbers 14, 8 and 9. So the people are freaking out. Everybody's scared. They think they're going to die. What do Caleb and Joshua say? Hey, if the Lord delights in us, he'll bring us into this land and give it to us. It's a land that flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord. And don't fear these people. They're like bread for us. Their protection is removed from them and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. You see, they all saw the same stuff. They saw the same situation. They saw the same fortified cities. They saw the same big people that they were scared of. And yet, the two different people, they simply just made a different decision about what they believe about God's goodness and what God was gonna do for them. And so this is telling us, like, we gotta strive to be like Caleb and Joshua. And what God says, we believe. God tells us, hey, your salvation, you never have to earn anything from me again. We just simply have to believe that. A situation that we're facing, some moral issue where God says this is the right way to go, we simply just have to believe that. And that's what it looks like to rest ultimately in what Jesus has done for us. Let me go and pray for you guys. Just close the sermon with praying for you guys, praying for issues that you're facing. Lord, I know everybody in here, God, yeah, we read the word, Lord, but your word reads us. And God, there are times where every single one of us struggle with despair over a situation. 
something that just seems like there's no solution in sight. It's too difficult. It's too hard. It's too great for us, God. And I pray in those situations, God, you would keep us from having despair. You would help us like Caleb and Joshua just to simply believe, to believe that you're big enough, that you're great enough. God, in these situations where we want to be self-reliant, we want to see some huge thing that we are facing and we just want to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and work harder and do more. God, help us to rely on you in those situations, God. Ultimately, I just pray for each person in here, God, whatever it is, whatever it is that's keeping us from resting, I pray that we would hand those things over to you, Lord, so that we would fully, Jesus, be able to rest in your goodness and your power and your love for us, Lord. Help us, God, now hand those things over to you. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, guys.